This message is from Living Rock Church, and we trust you'll be really equipped, envisioned, and encouraged as you listen today. Okay, um, earlier on this year, um, I shared a, a message which was called Reaching Out to the Harvest. And I really feel that it's a, a mandate for us this year on four ways in which God wants us to reach out to the harvest fields, our mission field that God sent us to, to be a refuge for the needy, to refresh those who are weary, to restore the broken, and to redirect the lost. And I think the only way we can do that, folks, is if we're motivated by the unmatchable love of Jesus. And if we're filled with the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit is the one who's unstoppable. So it's in his power, with the love of Jesus, that we can do these things that God wants us to do. I believe God has a corporate anointing for us. I've said it before, and I'm going to say it again, and again, and again. The calling that God has for us as a people is for us as a people. There's no superstar in this place except one. What's his name? Jesus. Jesus. We're not superstars. God's called us together as a team. The Holy Spirit has assembled us as a team and is gathering us and organizing us as he wills to carry out this mission that we've got. But even though it's a corporate anointing that's upon us, it requires an individual response. That means it needs something from you. The vision that God has for us, that he's given to us, requires something of you. And when I say you, I mean you and me. So we have to respond individually, and it's really important that we do that, because when Paul writes to the Ephesians, he says this, he said that God wants to build his church as each part does its own special work. Each part does its own special work. You have special work to be done that is essential for the building up of the body of Christ. And my heart is that you will lay hold with both hands of that special work that God's got for you to do. And I know that's your heart as well. And everything that God does and everything that he says is to enable you and equip you to be able to do exactly that. So that the body of Christ may be built up, that his testimony may go across the earth, and that the whole earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of God as surely as the waters cover the sea. That's God's plan for this world. It's plan A, it's on track, and it's going to happen. It's exciting, isn't it? Amen. To be able to reach out in these areas, I really believe that we need to know for ourselves our refuge in God. We need to know what it means to be refreshed, to be restored, and to have our lives redirected and on that track that God's got for us. So this morning, I want to spend some time talking about being refreshed in the Lord. Let's have my second and last slide of the day. (laughs) Refreshed in the Lord. That's what it's all about this morning, okay? There are lots of people out there in the world who are weary of life. Lots of people. We've never lived in a time when people have so much materialistically and yet are so fed up with life. Suicide rates are climbing, especially in those countries where people have much. And people are becoming disillusioned with life and weary of it. You know, this isn't a new phenomenon at all. When Jesus went about the places where he lived... He looked and saw the crowds. And Matthew's Gospel said that he looked and saw them and they were harassed and helpless. Jesus looked upon people 
And his impression of them was that they were harassed and helpless, and he had compassion on them. And that's still happening today, because you're seeing people every day who are harassed and helpless, and Jesus' eyes are right here, looking at those people, and his compassion is in your heart to move to do something to refresh them. Jesus wasn't fooled by the outside appearance. You know, lots of people that you meet, they look happy, but man looks at the outward appearance, and God looks at the heart. And that means he wants you to look into people's hearts and to see what's really going on and to reach out to them. You know, the Lord spoke to us earlier this year and he talked about being a garden. And I want to read to you a scripture which the Lord gave me a number of months ago because I believe this is us and I want to encourage you with this scripture. This is in Ezekiel 36, verses 33 to 36. So let's look that up. And you can read it with me. I'll be mostly reading from the ESV today, English Standard Version. If you're thinking about changing a version, give it a try. I'm not paid commission by the publishers of the ESV, but it is my recommended version. So Ezekiel chapter 36, verses 33 to 36. Now this is when the Lord is talking about the new covenant. He's talking about us. And he's talking about his people and he says this. Thus says the Lord God, on the day that I cleanse you from all your iniquities, I will cause the cities to be inhabited and the waste places shall be rebuilt. And the land that was desolate shall be tilled instead of being the desolation that it was in the sight of all who passed by. And they will say, this land that was desolate has become like the Garden of Eden. And the waste and desolate and ruined cities are now fortified and inhabited. Then the nations that are left all around you shall know that I am the Lord. I have rebuilt the ruined places and replanted that which was desolate. I am the Lord, I have spoken, and I will do it. He's talking about us. He's saying that we will be the people who were desolate, ruined cities but have now been replanted and rebuilt and are now like the Garden of Eden. Do you know, Eden was God's place where he exported life across the globe. The rivers, four rivers from Eden, went outwards from Eden and watered the whole globe. The nations that are left around you will know that he is the Lord. If we are a refreshed people, then the nations around us will know he is the Lord. That is our testimony, to be able to stand up before all men and say we are refreshed, not in the way that you are refreshed. We're refreshed in a different way. We're refreshed by the Lord. So a garden needs to be well watered. It needs to be refreshed. You know, when you came to Christ... One of the things that changed in you is that before you came to him, you were spiritually dead. The Bible tells us that our spirits were dead. And when we came to Christ, we were reborn. Our spirits were reborn and we became spiritually alive. That means we were able to interact with God in a way that we couldn't do before. And we became aware of the unseen realm of spiritual things that we can now go beyond the five senses that we use in life 
and have a spiritual sense that our spirits will perceive things. Well, you know what? The other thing that happened is that now you have a spirit that needs to be fed. So what refreshes your spirit is what you need. We all take things on board that refresh our bodies, don't we? Every day. Does anyone forget to eat? No hands up, just for the record. Nobody here is forgetting to eat. That's a good start. No one neglects his body, the word says. And we shouldn't neglect our spirits either. For those that have not yet come to Christ, all they have to refresh are their bodies and their minds. So actually what is enough for them is not enough for you. So when you look around you at other people that don't know him, what is enough for them to refresh them is not enough for you. Now I know that's a simple thing, but it's also a really fundamental thing. And here's the rub, it's the thing that we often forget. Because we look around us at people that we know and think, well they're having a great time. And we fool ourselves into thinking if we do the same things, we'll find the refreshment that we need. Well, you might find a bodily refreshment or a refreshment of the mind when you go on holiday, maybe some of the other things that you do for pleasure, hobbies and things like that. Maybe when you go down the gym, maybe that's your thing. Get down the gym and really feel good afterwards. Well, guess what? All you will do is refresh your body. It will not feed your spirit. A spirit needs spiritual food. If you think about an athlete maybe someone that's training for the Olympics, they will have a special diet which is geared up just for them to enable their body to achieve the things that it needs to achieve. Now, they can't have a builder's diet. I know I'm generalizing a bit there, but it can't be bacon sandwiches every morning. It has to be a special diet. Well, guess what? You guys need a special diet, and it's called spiritual food, and we need to have that to stay refreshed. So this morning I want to focus on three areas, three places where I believe we need refreshment from God, and I believe God will refresh us in those places. The first is this, we need to be refreshed in the dry place. We need to be refreshed in the dry place. If you find yourself in a dry place, you find yourself weary, it doesn't mean it's your fault you're there. That's the first thing to say. Just because you find yourself in a dry place, it's not necessarily your fault that you're in that place. But God wants to provide for you in that place. He wants to refresh you in that place. There's nothing wrong with needing refreshment. Let me let, me let you into a little secret. God needs refreshment. Did you know that? God needs refreshment. In Exodus 31, verse 17, it talks about God creating the earth, and it says this, In six days the Lord made heaven and earth, and on the seventh day he rested and was refreshed. God was refreshed. Now, God can refresh himself, because he's fully self-sufficient. He can refresh himself. God stopped working after making creation, said, It's good, I'm going to take a rest now, and I'm going to refresh myself. And guess what? He didn't put his feet up then. He then carried on working. It was a break. Because Jesus says, I see what my father does and I continue my father's work. And you and I doing that same work. God is able to refresh himself. If he needs to self-refresh, 
how much more do you think you and I need to be refreshed? Yeah. If the creator of creation needs to be refreshed. The great news is that Jesus promised us something called living water. Jesus was weary, sat down at a well, and met a woman and said to her, out of his weariness, I've got something better than this stuff. I've got living water that'll never leave you thirsty. Living water that'll feed your spirit. God's promise to you is that you will be refreshed with living water every single day, even in the dry place. And he wants you to be a refresher of others. Proverbs 11.25 says this, The generous will prosper. Those who refresh others will themselves be refreshed. Those who refresh others will themselves be refreshed. That means he wants you to refresh others, and his promise to you is that in doing that, he will refresh you, and he will keep you refreshed. Just turn with me to uh, the book of Isaiah, please. Isaiah 58. Isaiah chapter 58, we're going to go to verse 10. This is what God says to us. Feed the hungry and help those in trouble. Then your your light will shine out from the darkness. And the darkness around you will be as bright as noon. The Lord will guide you continually, giving you water when you are dry. Do you hear that? Giving you water when you are dry. And restoring your strength. You will be like a well-watered garden, like an ever-flowing spring. Let me just read that again. Verse 11. The Lord will guide you continually, giving you water when you are dry, and restoring your strength. You will be like a well-watered garden, like an ever-flowing spring. So God's promise to you is that you will be like a well-watered garden, that you will constantly be refreshed and your strength renewed day by day. God's refreshment is not a physical thing. It's not like refreshing the body. It's not like going down to the gym and working out. The refreshment that comes from the Lord is a spiritual thing. It's directly from God's spirit to your spirit. In certain sense, it's nothing to do with your body. It's from the inside out. It will affect your body, but it's directly to your spirit that God wants to refresh you and minister to you. But here's the thing. Because it's a spiritual thing, I believe that we can only be refreshed when we seek God for who he is and not what he can do for us. It's really important. When we seek God for who he is and not what he can do for us. Now, when we come together to worship, we come with thanksgiving, don't we? The psalmist says, enter his courts with thanksgiving, enter his gates with praise. The language we use coming into the presence of God together, corporately, is the language of thanks. Gratitude for all that he's done for us. And that's good to recount the deeds of the Lord. But you know what? We don't stay at the door. We don't stay at the entrance. We come deeper and deeper and deeper. 
And as we come deeper and deeper into God's presence, guess what? The language changes. The focus changes. Because we start to come deep into the Holy of Holies, into God's presence, into his person, kind of in his face. Like I'm getting into Steph's face now. So the the, the language of greeting has gone, and now we're on to something much more intimate. And that's what God wants. It's not presumptive of us. The scripture I think Will read earlier was come with boldness from Hebrews 10. Is that right? We come with boldness because of the blood of Christ. Yes. We're welcome here. This is our home. Wow. Yeah. But this is the place of intimacy. Thank yeah. you, Lord. And that means at that point, we're not seeking God to thank him for what he's done. We're not seeking him to provide things for us. But we just want to be with him. Yeah. And this is the key. Yeah. To just to want to be with him. And to enjoy his presence. You know, you can be forgiven for thinking sometimes, this is a bit unproductive. We're not doing anything. We're just being with the Lord. Saying, isn't he wonderful? That doesn't achieve anything, does it? We're not building the kingdom. Guess what? We are. Because that's our starting point, that intimacy with Jesus. Just being with him. You know, the disciple John knew this. The disciple John was described as the one who would recline on Jesus' chest. How presumptive is that? The Son of God, the King of Kings, and I'm just going to lean on him during a meal. But John knew an intimacy with Jesus, an intimacy that Mary knew, that Martha lacked as she busied herself around until she was told, stop, just be with me, just enjoy being with me. I find it interesting to think that probably John lived the longest of all the disciples Because I believe that intimacy never left him. That just enjoying Jesus for who he is is so important. You know, it's not just in our worship that we experience that intimacy that refreshes us, but it's also in the word. Proverbs 4, uh, Proverbs 4 verse 22 talks about the word of God being life to us and strength to our bones. Do you know, I remember occasion when Steph and Diana talked to me about reading the word to each other at times of illness, and sometimes serious times of illness, and the word was strengthening the bones of the hearer. The word will refresh you from the inside out. And we need to be those that feed ourselves on the word and let our spirits be refreshed from within, and the word can bring you life. If you struggle to read the word in those times, let me give you some help. Find someone that will read it to you, like Stefan and Diana did to each other. I find your husband or your wife or a best friend and say, I need you to read this word to me. And not just read it in a sort of, well, I'm going to read the word in a very monotone way and we'll get to the end of the chapter, then we'll see what more we'll do. But to read it with some gusto, to read it in the power of the Spirit and let the words infuse your bones with the life of God. That's what the Lord wants of us. That's what will refresh us. You know, the word talks about us being, um, in Isaiah 65, the anointing that's upon us is to be oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord. And the word often talks about his people as trees. And one of the best pictures of that is in Psalm 1. I'm sure we all know it. Where it talks about the righteous person being planted by streams of living water and being fed from the water and being fruitful and whose leaf does not wither. 
Well, I want to read to you from Jeremiah 17. Turn with me there if, if you want to. You don't have to, but you can. Jeremiah 17, verse 7. Because Jeremiah says a little bit more about this, and I think this is really helpful. So Jeremiah 17, verse 7, he says this. He says, Blessed is the man or woman of God who trusts in the Lord, whose trust is the Lord. In other words, whose confidence is in him. He is like a tree planted by water that sends out its roots by the stream. Do you hear that? Sends out its roots by the stream. And does not fear when heat comes, for its leaves remain green, and it is not anxious in the year of drought, for it does not cease to bear fruit. We're to send out our roots, folks. To send out our roots. That's the key for us, is our roots. Where are your roots? Because your roots need to be sent out to collect the living water that God has for you. Your roots need to be in the Word and sent out, laying hold of the promises of God till they become part of your root system. And then you'll never fear the drought that comes because your roots will sustain you. Your refreshing will come from your roots. Did you know before there was even rain on the earth that the vegetation on the earth was fed from below? Moisture came from the ground and a mist that settled, and that's what nourished things before the rain came. It came from the root. Job 29, you don't need to turn this up, but Job 29 verses 19 to 20. Job is reflecting back, and he says this, he says, my roots spread out to the waters, my roots spread out to the waters, with the dew all night on my branches, and my glory fresh with me, my bow ever new in my hand. His roots were collecting water and at night there was a dew that collected on his branches meditating on his word day and night. Do you know the word can strengthen you even as you're sleeping? You think, hang on, I'm dreaming. Yeah, but guess what? Your spirit's still working away. You may not be conscious, the mind might be in power down mode, but your spirit is still receptive. That's why God speaks to us in dreams. It's a useful time for God to use to speak to you in your dreams because your mind is powered down and your spirit is able to receive, sometimes without the distractions of the mind. Recently, we came back from holiday and found that because of the dry spell, some of the plants had fared a bit differently in the garden. Now, I am no gardener. It's not an exaggeration to say I am no gardener. But last year, we had someone come in to put in some plants in our garden, someone who is a gardener, to put in various plants. And all I've done is just kept an eye on them, trimmed them back, I've trained them. Uh, Some of them, they're growing up the fence and I've trained them along sort of trellises that have been put in place. And a couple of these plants have been put kind of side by side on the fence. And they're both similar sorts of plants. I think they're called clematises or clematae or I don't know what the plural of clematis is. Is it like sheep, clematis, one, two... Anyway, these things were put on the fence, whatever they were, uh, and they were growing up the fence. And one of them seemed to rock it away. I thought, this is going really well, this one. And there's this little one down here, just not really doing much at all. So I gave it a little bit of special attention, a bit more water and that sort of thing. And there was a trainer 
which was just sort of um, uh, sticks that were helped to support the plant until it could reach the bit of the fence where the trellis was. Now, this plant couldn't even reach the trellis for support. So it would get up like this, and then it would start to do that. So eventually, I had to get a bit of wire, wrap it around the plant, and link that to the trellis to give it the support to get to the trellis, which was its support in the first place. So this plant, I really thought, I, I think this thing's on the way out. I think we'll just get it replaced soon. <laughs> Meanwhile, my star performer over here is shot away. It's, it's throwing things. It's going next door. It's really confident. <laughs> and I'm thinking, this is a star performer. Maybe I should have had two of these. Well, that was until two weeks ago. Two weeks ago, something happened. My star performer turned out to be a dud. It's still on the fence. It still covers the fence. It's just dead as a dodo. <laughs> Everything has just gone dead. The leaves have turned crispy. It's just now like a skeleton on the fence, a sort of memorial to what once was this glorious plant I thought was my star performer. But guess what? My little one down here just reached the trellis. Looking good. I think that's the winner. Now... I didn't know which was the winner until now. I don't know what the roots look like for either of those plants. But I'm guessing this one over here, its roots have supported it in the heat and the dryness that have come. This, this one over here that misled me obviously didn't have the roots somehow to support itself. And you know, out the front of our garden, we also have this little um, willow tree that we had put in a few years ago. Now, this is a few years older than the other plants. It's had time to get itself established, and this thing's been buffeted by the wind, the rain, the hail, you name it, it survived. When we came back from holiday, this had looked like it was dead. So all of the green leaves on it had turned brown, and I thought, I'm going to lose this tree. You know, I've put several years of care and maintenance into this tree. And I started to think about it, thinking about my two plants and thinking about this tree, thinking, well, hang on a minute. If this willow tree had the right roots, if it had established itself, surely it could survive the dry period that we've had. So I've been keeping an eye on it, thinking, I'm not going to write it off. I'm not going to write it off. This morning, looked at it, it's just started to rebud. So all the leaves have died, but it's just started to rebud. It's fine because its root system has gone down deep and it's established and it's surviving a dry period. Do you know, God does not want you to wait for the dry period before you set your roots down. If you wait for the dry period, it's too late. It's too late. Sometimes we have to ask ourselves why the dry periods come along in the first place. Why isn't every day just fantastic without any dry periods? Well, do you know what? God wants you to be those who can endure. And it is our endurance as the people of God through dry times and tough times that will be a testimony to the world that our God is real and that this isn't all talk. Yeah? It's only when you've lived through something and held on to the promises of God and said, I've lived through it and I've seen the goodness of God in the midst of it, that you can stand up and people out there will really listen to you. 
Because you can testify and say, I've walked those things. And I've been refreshed by God in the middle of the dryness, in the middle of the desert. So yes, it is tough. But God's doing a work in us in that. He's creating endurance in that. In us, in you and me. It's really important. Don't wait for the dry times to set your roots down. When it's raining, get your roots down. The soil is soft. By the time it's dry, the soil is rock hard. And it's very difficult to get your roots into any of it. Okay, second thing. God wants us to be refreshed in the hostile place. In the hostile place. Who's ever been in a hostile place? Who seems to keep coming into hostile places? <laughs> it does feel that way sometimes, doesn't it? Hey, the Lord leads us into hostile places. Did you know that? What? The Lord is my shepherd. Doesn't he lead me into sort of bouncy fields of green from meadow to meadow and it's all sunny weather? You know, the Lord will lead you through the valley of the shadow of death and out the other side. David knew this. In that psalm, when he talks about God as his shepherd, he says, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You will lead me into hostile places, and with my enemies looking upon me, you will prepare a table for me. There's almost this sense in which David's sort of sitting there with this nice picnic table, and all his enemies are over there saying, and God's just sort of providing nice things for David in the presence of his enemies, in the face of danger. David's enjoying tea. (laughs) He's enjoying a table, a feast, because God is providing for him. Do you know that God can and will refresh you in the middle of an all-out assault from the enemy? God can and will refresh you in the middle of an all-out assault. The enemy can be throwing everything it's got at you. And some of it will hurt. Some of it will trouble you, will cause you pain. But in the middle of that, God can and will refresh you. You can know God's refreshing. David had known that. Jesus knew that. Jesus was led into the desert. The Holy Spirit led him into the encounter with the devil where Jesus was physically weak. But what did he do? He drew upon the word. And the word held him up. The word refreshed his spirit and then God came and ministered to his body. I think maybe the ultimate example is when Jesus is in Gethsemane. Boy, that was a dry place. When Jesus faced that moment and he said, Father, not not my will but yours be done and then set his face toward the cross. Do you know that's when victory happened? The rest of it just flowed from that moment. That's when Satan really lost, when Jesus said those words. It was in that place that Jesus was completely surrendered. You know, last week when we were all together in the presence of God, he spoke to us about being in a place of surrender. And that actually that was the place where we would find our greatest victory. And when the enemy is throwing everything it's got at you, when you feel like you're being attacked on all sides, sometimes the last thing you feel you want to do is to lay yourself down and surrender. Not to the circumstances, but to your God. And to trust him. Because the temptation is to turn aside to other things. Israel 
had a history of doing this. When she was under attack, wavering and turning aside. You turn with me to Isaiah chapter 30. There's just a couple of examples I want to look at, which I think are really important for us. Isaiah 30, verse 15. I'll keep you updated on the willow tree, by the way. And my little plant, that's going to be a big, strong plant one day. Isaiah 30, verse 15. So this is, this is God admonishing Israel, telling them off, because they turned to, Israel, uh, to um, Egypt in the time of trouble. Egypt, the mighty nation, for help. It says, For thus said the Lord God, the Holy One of Israel, in returning and rest you shall be saved. And some translations say repentance and rest. Repentance and rest. You shall be saved. In quietness and trust shall be your strength. But... You were unwilling, and you said, No, we will flee upon horses, therefore you shall flee away. Israel turned to Egypt. And what God said to her was, No, no. I think one of the translations said, In quietness and trust is your salvation, but you would have none of it. And sometimes in the place of hostility, in the place where we feel under attack, the Holy Spirit comes to us and asks us to be in that place of quietness and trust. And sometimes of repentance, of things that need to change within us. Because God wants to do something in that moment of pressure, like a pressure cooker upon us, to create something eternal within us. And in that moment, sometimes, do you know what? We can have none of it. You don't understand, Lord, how I feel in this. I've been here before. Sometimes we can feel angry that he even led us into that situation in the first place. How could you let this happen to me? And actually, the right thing to do is to say, Lord, you know all things. My life is in your hands, and I lay it down. Just like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego that walked into that fire and said, even if he doesn't deliver us, we won't turn, but we'll look faithfully to him. God did deliver them. But it was that decision in their heart before they went in that was the important thing, not the deliverance. That's the eternal thing God wants to do in you. He wants to heal you, but what's more important is what happens to you first. What happens on the inside? What's your state of mind and where's your place of trust? Isaiah 36, let's just move a couple of chapters to the right. Another situation. This is where the Assyrians are invading Judah and um, the commander... Uh, Sennacherib, love that name, Sennacherib, maybe we should bring that back, king of Assyria, he came up against the fortified cities of Judah and he stopped at the place where they had their communal pool, so where they all drew their water from, he stopped at this place, now Hezekiah had urged the nation to trust God that he was going to deliver them, and this is what Sennacherib says in verse 15, this is a This is amazing how direct the enemy was. And the enemy will be just as direct with you in times of pressure. Verse 15, do not let Hezekiah make you trust in the Lord by saying, the Lord will surely deliver us. This city will not be given into the hand of the king of Assyria. Do not listen to Hezekiah, for thus says the king of Assyria, make your peace with me and come out to me 
then each of you will eat of his own vine and each one of his own fig tree and each one of you will drink the water of his own cistern or well. Each one of you will drink the water of his own cistern or well. You know what the enemy tried to do? Was to stop them drawing from that communal pool, from that communal well, and to have their own well, to be self-sufficient. That's what the enemy was offering. It's what the enemy offered Jesus in the desert. Make your own glory. I'll glorify you. I'll give you an exalted position. And not to trust the Lord. And in times of pressure, the enemy will tempt you not to trust the Lord. He'll sow seeds of doubt. And he'll try to get you to be self-sufficient. That's why it's an incredibly clever plan. Because we're fooled into thinking self-sufficiency can be good. Am I not growing stronger then? Am am uh, Am I not getting it all together? Well, you know what? If you overcome something by just doing it on your own, you've failed. You overcome by becoming more dependent on God. It's counterintuitive, isn't it? You know, the world will tell you, actually, the strongest people are the most self-reliant people. You know these stories about people that, I don't know, they crash in the Andes and, you know, they've lived off of, you know, rations for, for, for months and months and you think, you know, they're pinnacles of self-reliance and they dug deep, you know, and they found something. Do you know what? They're failures in God's eyes. Because they're not designed to live that way. They're designed to live dependent on him. They've learned nothing in the whole experience. They're actually further away from God. The more self-reliant you are, the further away from him you are. And the further away you will certainly be from knowing the refreshing of the Lord in the place of hostility. And we mustn't withdraw from the communal pool. You know, we've seen this time and again, is that the enemy, when you are in that place, will try to isolate you from the rest of us when we come together and we are refreshed together we're supping from a communal pool that's why we have one cup that comes round and there's something that happens in that place of refreshment that doesn't happen on our own that's why we have to be together but you know when you're going through a really tough time the temptation is to withdraw every time the temptation is to withdraw you know, I'm just, if I could just have some time on my own, you know, it's really pressured with the kids, so maybe I'm just going to take that Sunday off and just have some time just to sort of try and recharge my batteries and just think about things, just try and get my head around stuff. Do you know where you need to be is right in the centre of the people of God. You think, what, in the middle of a crowd? Isn't that really impersonal? Surely I need some quiet time. No, you need time in the middle of God's people. And you'll be refreshed from within. But everything in your flesh and often in your mind will be telling you the opposite. But what you have to choose to do is to believe the word. The word came from Hezekiah to the people of Judah. Choose to believe the word, not necessarily what your body or mind are telling you. Because you cannot trust the latter. You can only trust God's word. It will always be the same, in season and out of season. Whereas your feelings and your emotions will be governed by what's going on around you, by your environment, and that will change the way you think. Okay? Third and last thing. God wants us to be refreshed in the prosperous place. The prosperous place. Now this is, seems to be the least likely place to need refreshing. I'm doing really well. God's really blessing me and prospering me. 
Do you know what? You need refreshing there more than at any other time. It can be the place of complacency. And we can all be subject to this. What happens is this. God blesses you with physical things, blesses you materially and blesses you in lots of other ways. And two things can happen out of that. Number one is you can lose focus on what the purpose of that blessing was. So the purpose of that blessing, if you can imagine a well that's been poured into with water and is pouring water out the other side, is to be a flow of blessing. You're not to be a container of blessing. You're to be a through flow of blessing, a conduit, not a storage container. Okay? God wants you to be a blessing to others. And when we get blessed, sometimes we lose sight of what that blessing was for in the first place. The second thing is we can then begin to neglect feeding our spirits on that living water that Jesus spoke about. We can begin to neglect spiritual food because we're really enjoying all the other stuff. Who doesn't like stuff? We all like stuff, don't we? I love stuff. I love gadgets. I love comfy stuff. I love cars. I love all the things that this world can provide. I love food. But it's not feeding my spirit. And it can easily fool me into thinking it is. Because I'm having such a good time, I'm distracted from the truth. And I think this is, can be a particular pressure to you young people. Are you listening? I'm not putting you on the spot. You're growing up in a time when there is so much being thrown at you. Social media constantly making you connected to the outside world. And the enemy will use that to distract you from what's really important in your life. Because feeding your spirits is what's really important. But actually the more stuff that's going on, the more frantic the emails or the exchanges of message or anything else that's going on, the connectivity with the outside world can distract you from that so that you neglect that when you really need to feed your spirits. So don't let those things be a distraction to you. It can be a distraction to us all. What we start to do is to treat those things that God has blessed us with, to treat them as if they're the source of blessing. I mean, that's that's the stupid thing that we do. The thing that God has blessed you with, the receptacle for blessing, you then start to treat as the source of the blessing. When it's not, that's just the result. And that's when we're in trouble. Jeremiah 2, verse 13. Just look this one up with me. This is the last scripture. Jeremiah 2, verse 13. This is another admonition for Israel. I do feel so sorry for them sometimes. Because all of their mistakes are just laid out for us to see. But God did it that way as an example for us, Paul says so that we don't make the same mistakes. He says this, My people have committed two sins. They have forsaken me, the spring or fountain of living water, and have dug their own cisterns, broken cisterns, that cannot hold water. Israel had turned aside to idols. And they thought that those things could sustain them. When God was saying, You've got me! I'm the fountain of living water and you've turned aside and dug your own well. You've tried to get that fulfilment and nourishment elsewhere. And worst of all, it's a leaky well. It can't even hold the water you're trying to hold in it. 
It's very easy to stop trusting God and dig your own well. It's a very subtle mistake to make. We can easily take our trust and reliance away from him and start to dig our own well. And then we find that it actually leaks. If you stop trusting God and relying on him for everything in life, if the Bible says that the righteous live by faith, then you've stopped living by faith. Which actually means you're not living at all. When you fail to live every day trusting him for absolutely everything in your life, you are not living at all. Because now for you and for me, living like that, it's okay if you're spiritually dead. But when your spirits are alive, it's not okay. It's not living at all for us. We're called to something much, much higher. I've well and truly used my time this morning, so please forgive me for the length I've spoken for. But I think the Lord is preparing us. The Lord is preparing you for all that he's got for us. It's exciting what God is doing. He's preparing us. He will allow you to go through a time of dryness, a time of battle, a time of prosperity. And in each season, he wants you to know he's refreshing. And it's important that you know he's refreshing. And only then can you refresh the weary in the world and be a blessing to them and not run dry whilst you're doing it. Yeah? That's the important thing here. The purpose is to know the refreshing of the Lord in every season. What you do in this season with your roots will determine how you're going to fare in the next season. God is moving amongst us, and we need to prepare now for what God wants to do in the next season. That's why it's really important for us all. And as I said right at the beginning, no one is to be left out of this. Each one of us has our own special work. If your roots don't go deep in the dry period... You'll shrivel up. In the period of hostility, in the period of pressure, you'll crumble. In the period of blessing, you'll just forget the Lord. And that's why it's really important for us to get our roots deep. Sometimes I think we've, we can forget or neglect our roots. And we need to go back and ask ourselves the question, how deep do my roots really go? How deep do my roots really go? Because... People can look at us and they can think we're the star performer or the little pygmy plant that can't even reach the trellis. But sometimes people don't know how deep your roots are going. Truly, really, only you know how deep your roots are and whether they need to go deeper. I just want to pray just to finish. and I, I just want you to take a moment just to consider what the Lord is saying to you right now. If you're listening to the podcast, I want you to take a minute to consider what the Lord is saying to you at this moment. I don't want to lead you in a prayer, but I want you to respond to the Lord because your response needs to be individual. And I'm going to give you a minute to do that. I'm going to ask Holly and the musicians to come back up, please. I just want us to finish on a song this morning and allow us just to respond to the Lord. But just take a moment. Don't be rushed. Don't think about the dinner in the oven or all the other things that are going to happen today. Just take a minute, you and the Lord. How deep do my roots go? Are they in the right things?
And it takes just a moment just to open your heart to the Lord and let him just come in and speak to you. Lord, I just pray that, Spirit of God, you will speak to us each individually, Lord. That as we open our hearts to you, Lord, you will put your finger on things in our life, Lord. You will show us where there are areas of shallowness, Lord, where the roots don't run deep. And I pray, Lord, that you would just move right now in our hearts, Lord. Our desire is to be your willing servants, to be ready in season and out, Lord, for all that you've called us to. So we just pray now, Holy Spirit, do a work in our hearts. Where the soil has become hard, just soften that right now. Where the word has been unable to penetrate, I just pray that you would send your word in again, Lord. Let the nourishing word come in and strengthen where it's needed in the name of Jesus thanks for listening today for more information about Living Rock Church and for more great teaching visit www.livingrockchurch.org dot uk